You are listening to the TF Cast, a Mankato-based arts and culture podcast where we hear stories of upcoming projects and get to know the people making things happen all across southern Minnesota. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TF Cast. Today's date is December 1st. And uh, yeah. With us today we have Jessica Potter from the Blue Earth County Historical Society's <laughs> podcast Surrounded by History. Um, we're super excited to talk about some local history and your production and what's going on there. Um, Jessica, please tell us a little bit about the podcast, introduce it to people who might not have heard about it and where they can hear this thing. Fantastic. Um, super excited. Uh, Surrounded by History is the name of our podcast. We've been doing this since January of 2019 um, in partnership with Radio Mankato. Um, so right now it currently airs um, the on Saturdays at 11.05 on KTOE. And then it lives on the Blue Earth County Historical Society's website. Um, so people can listen to past episodes um, through our website at blueearthcountyhistory.com. Yeah, and if you haven't, if you've never, just check out the Blue Earth County Historical Society's <laughs> website because like I was like, oh, cool, a Mankato podcast, but then there's like instantly a whole just like slew of things yes. that are, the, the questions you would have, <laughs> many of them are answered. But um, it, let, let's just talk about podcasting a little bit. Um, what, what was your favorite one to make and what's your process like for making these things? So we were approached by um, Radio Mankato back, um, gosh, it would have been 2018, and they they were changing up the format. Most of our local media sources have changed up their format to streaming and things like that, and and the radio station was no different, and they wanted to try to come up with something um, a little bit different than a talk format, um, and so they approached us about doing a podcast, and I thought, well, I can't do a podcast, <laughs> and um, but then the, the whole premise was to just talk about local history, which... I can totally do. So um, it, it's just been a really fun opportunity to bring what we typically do in writing. Um, we write for our newsletter, we write publications, or we create exhibits with three-dimensional way of telling a story. So this was a different way of being able to tell stories, which is really all that the Historical Society is about, is about collecting and telling stories. And um, so the process really, they handle all the tech because that is not my gift. Um, and But otherwise, the process is just using the resources we have at the Historical Society. Um, there's a lot of stories that we know um, just through the resources that we have through the stories that we've already told um, through some of our different outlets and or stories we've been told. And so it's really a matter of just picking a topic and then digging into it a little bit deeper um, writing it. I write them all and then we record them. So, I mean, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun for me. I have a huge deep passion for history. And, um, so to be able to dig into a topic, um, I probably spend more time on it than I should. Um, but I'd like to know the depth of something, um, and not just the simple, um, you know, top layer of, of a piece of information. I, I really want to know how did it happen? Um, what are the details? And so I kind of dig in a little bit deeper and then it all sits in my head sometimes and, and other times it makes it into the podcast. What what kind of materials are you are you going through? Um, so the main material that we use at a, that is at anyone's fingertips um, is newspaper accounts. Mm. So we have actually um, 
clipped the newspaper and indexed it from 1870 to present. The, the newspapers that arrive today are being clipped and indexed and put into files. Mm-hmm. And so I can pick a topic and I can go pull that file. I have information over a hundred years worth of information that's been in the newspaper right in front of me. And then I can piece the story together. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was actually a question that I wanted to ask about how history is being like written today with this kind of explosion of media that mm-hmm. we've had. You know, like previously, I would kind of imagine that you have a few resources like public record and, you know, newspapers. Mm-hmm. How do you even approach like the amount of information that's currently being, you, you know? know I, that's a really interesting question because I think with a historical society, um, you know, we're, we're paper people. Um, that's that's how we function. I mean, we are our job um, since 1901 is when the organization was founded has been to really collect paper. Um, photographs, books, atlases, maps, you know, a lot of things that are generated on paper, hmm. the, the written word. And um, now we're in a world that is so digital. It is very, um, it's very hard for a historical society to shift to how do we preserve digital. Mm. Um, even photographs are only available digital now. Um, something like this is a digital format. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of questions um, for us about how do you manage digital? Um, where you give me a pile of, of papers and photographs, I know how to manage that. So mm. it's been a shift in how we do our work, um, not just in how we present it, that's one piece, but how do we collect it and manage it and preserve it. Um, The big thing there is, and you guys see it with all the technology you have even around you, that that how often do you have to replace it or upgrade to the next thing? Mm. So you that's something we have to think about. Um, I'm going to say this and I'm going to date myself because you guys will not have a clue because you're too young, but we have a family history that is on a five inch floppy okay so they're they're this big not the little square ones but the big square ones um now we have absolutely no device to be able to get that information off of there there's no software there's no hardware so that's an example where we're lucky that they printed that family history and they gave us the disc as well but they printed it now we have paper now we can manage it um, because this is not a manageable source. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and everything's moving to the cloud now, but what's going to come after the cloud? What's going to, I mean, we, we moved everything from the, the hard floppies, the three and a half floppies to DVDs. Mm-hmm. Then we started, saw that there was holes in DVDs. So we were moving mm-hmm. to flash drives. We see that there's holes in flash drives. So, you know, all of this technology is so rapidly changing that give me a piece of paper and I'll yeah. take care of it. <laughs> Uh, how much how much paper do y'all have? Oh, well, uh, you know, I mentioned that the organization was founded in 1901. That's when we started collecting the history of the county. Mm-hmm. Um, the The Historical Society is located at the History Center, which is just down the road from you guys. So I expect mm-hmm. to see you visiting quite often um, down on the corner of uh, Warren and Fifth Streets at 424 Warren Street. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about a 16,000 square foot building. And that is where we store the history of Blue Earth County. So when you oh. ask me how many pieces of paper, 16,000 square feet worth. Oh, Whoa. sure. That is a lot. How, how do people interface with that? Like if someone wants to come down there and like get access to these resources, what do they have to do? Walk in the door. Oh, sure. So <laughs> it, 
<laughs> you like, don't. There's this... no secret passwords. There's no <laughs> secret knocks. No, it's it, we are a public institution. So um, there's, we're not a lending library. So you can't check anything out. You can't, okay. um, you know, bring a library card in and be able to check something out. But um, we have a research center that is open to the public Tuesday through Saturday. There's an admission fee to use our resources, but that all that money goes back into operations so that we can be an open um, organization. We are a nonprofit organization. So um, just paying admission to the museum or the research center or the Hubbard house, that's that's mm. how we keep the lights on. And um, and then the resources are right there. They're literally at your fingertips. Um, mm. And the, you know, old fashioned card catalogs, which you guys probably don't know what those are either. Um, but that's how you search and you find stuff that you want. And um, besides physically coming to our building, we've actually, we've also recently added um, a lot of digital content onto our website. So um, we, have, we have volunteers that are constantly um, creating indexes and databases so that you can do searching that way. And so if you are looking for an obituary or a map or atlas or something like that, a lot of that content is now searchable online. You, you can't necessarily see the record, but you can see the notation that drives you to say, hey, I need a copy of that, mm-hmm. or I, I need a version of this so that's what we do every day Uh, uh, using an example of one of the episodes that i listened to uh about the county fair that i thought was pretty cool um what so what would researching for an episode like that look like i I assume maybe you've started with the topic you're like Mm -hmm. we're gonna make one about the county fair and then you'd go through your records and search county fair and see what kind of comes up over the years and maybe what changes have been made and what other uh, articles have been logged? Yep. So really, um, it is really that simple, that simple and that complex. Um, The first thing I do, so I'm working on some new podcasts that will air very soon. One of them is is going to be on Christmas lights in Mankato. Um, So I literally went to the vertical files where all of our newspaper clippings are. I pulled out about five folders that were about Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I've gone through every single um, article in there to see what is it telling me about traditions or activities, parades, Mm. um, lighting contests, whatever there was. Um, Sometimes that topic will lead you to, oh, wait a second, they're talking about this festival. What is this festival? So then it takes Mm. me to another folder to read more about the festival to understand how did that fit into the whole picture. So, you know, that's a lot of it. Even with the fair, it's a matter of going to the vertical files, pulling out those articles. Um, There's also a couple of books that have been written um, about the history of Blue Earth County or the history of Mankato. Um, They're, they're, older books, but I can Hmm. go to those as well and get some tips and tricks about, okay, well, how was it founded? Who were those people? Um, And it's always about matter of trying to figure out those, those stories. And I think that's, Hmm. that's the great thing about history. Um, A lot of people think history is just, oh, it's that stuff that happened a hundred years ago and there's no relevance to it today. Mm. Um, and that's the whole point about the podcast is to really get people to see that history is all around them. So even as I was walking into this building, I'm like, Oh, this is a total 1970s building. So I wonder what was here before it was built. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where my brain is constantly at. Why is the street called Warren street? Why is that park Highland park? All of the parks in Mankato sidetrack, um, Mm. are, podcasts 
So there's a great mm. podcast about Highland Park. Um, but it's, it's understanding the history that's all around us. So you go to the park and you have fun in it today, but why was this park carved out? When was this park yeah. carved out? What happened in this space? Um, and that is where I totally geek out when it comes to history is just thinking mm. about the people and the events and the things that happened before. Mm. Um, and it doesn't have to be a hundred years ago. It could be in the 1970s when they decided to build this building. Mm. You know, it's, it's having a, a, having an appreciation for that there's history all around us, this even is, in street mm. names. This is Cedar street though. And that's real. That's really bizarre. No one ever knows what I'm talking about when I say huh. I live on Cedar street because mm -hmm. it, there, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like it's Warren nope. and then it's Warren, but it's Cedar. Uh -huh. It's and because then, old Warren. Oh, if you can just tell me, I would love to know. Oh, I don't know if I can just tell you. you it seems like you might have to do some side. research. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it was on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> Old Warren Street. Mm, yeah. That's why. Old yeah. Warren Street is down here where you can actually still see it's a little bit more of a walking trail. Um, mm. It's by the apartment building. Oh, and so okay. that is why. So when mm. same thing with um, Front Street. So here's a perfect example. If you looked up the address for Loose Moose, the restaurant downtown, sure. you're going to see that it has a Front Street address. That's the name of the street is Front. Mm. Have you I'm with you guys? Have you ever heard of Front Street? Ooh. I mean, I've heard people say Front Street. Well, there's the, the, oh, that's not, the Front Street over here is close to like the 410 project and stuff. So that's a right, different front. Right, right. Yeah. That's Front Street as well. But did it go through? It went all oh, the way through. because it went through the mall. It went mm -hmm. all the way through. And it Ooh. actually um, went to the wine cafe. Interesting. The wine cafe Ooh. is a Front Street um, as yeah. well, but oh, the street, I know that. That's where I work. The street, <laughs> the street has been renamed Riverfront Drive. Oh. Um, but only part of it's been renamed Riverfront Drive, where Loose Moose and Pub 500 or the 410 Project all still have Front Street addresses. Mm. So cool. the same thing here. You know, this we had. You have Cedar. You have Warren. You have Old Warren. You have Highland. You have all of this stuff, and it's because of of. Mm progress or things changing um, that has reorientated streets, it has renamed streets, whatever it might be. But if you get right down to it, you'll find out that, oh my gosh, well, that's that's that street because mm. like Fow, Fow Street, which is right down here, um, mm. is named after somebody who lived here that was the last mm. name and he was in the house of representatives <laughs> um so that's how with the name the street mm. got named it if you if you drive around town and you're like gosh what are these weird names they're probably somebody that's mm. another podcast by the way well, is the street um names. street names <laughs> yeah I, I think i saw that one i that one too i, there, I like i said i i, gra <laughs> I gravitated towards all like the the happenings like you know like the the big like I, the first one I listened to was the the pandemic one of the the Spanish flu. That one was really interesting because we were recording it, um, and we were recording it in February of 2020. Mm. And um, the day that we were recording, I I'm I'm on the re I'm on the the podcast saying, "Oh, now they they just renamed it and they're calling it COVID." 
Mm. And but before that, that's not what we were. That was not how we referred to it. Mm. And so I don't know what this thing is, but now we call it COVID. Mm. And it's it was it was such a bizarre experience. And then the whole thing I was I was talking about, and you might remember the whole thing I was talking about is the the parallels um, mm-hmm. between 1918 and what we were we what we were just Beginning starting to experience. to experience. So it was almost like having um, this foreshadowing of what was going to come, but it was using history to say, Hey, this is what happened in 2018 and I'm sorry, in 1918, but it actually was foreshadowing what was yet to come for us in 2020. It was a really weird place to be. Um, it almost like in a time warp between, uh, two very different, but very, very similar historical Mm -hmm. events that happened. Um, yeah, and so everybody, I, I had a lot of people um, throughout the pandemic saying, we really hoped that you were going to be wrong. And I'm like, yeah, no. history is not wrong. I told you it was going to last two years. <laughs> <laughs> so for those oh. listening who don't know it, uh, the Spanish flu, which was 1918 influenza outbreak, um, actually lasted until 1920. Mm. And so um, we're, we're, we're still in it. <laughs> if you put parallels and then yeah. I think you listened to the, um, the dip the typhoid one as yeah. well. Um, again, more parallels about how we have public health issues and when you're in the midst of it, you can't see the way out. Um, mm. and so there's a lot of panic and a lot of misinformation. Even, even then there was misinformation about how do you, um, how does the disease spread and what do we need to do to kind of contain it? And, and, um, so it's just, it's a very interesting, that's what I love, 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 love about history is just how it repeats and how we can learn from it. But I think, um, we are still, we're human and we don't want to, mm. we want to, we want it to be the first time that this has ever happened. Yeah. And, but there's so much we can learn from well, the there, past. There are differences. Like I was listening to the one about typhoid and I was like, well, like they just made like some silly mistakes, you know, like when they, they like reverse the flow into the, into those areas and then they had sewage back up in people's drinking water more than they had previously. It was like, well, you know, now I think that they would have probably like said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then they would have researched it and we're like, okay, we're not going to do that. And then people would have been like, well, they changed their minds, you know, but like instead now they were just drinking poo water. Mm-hmm. Like, so <laughs> I guess but, uh, but I'll, I'll just, I'll just throw out there Flint, Michigan. Oh yeah. Oh, well, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that's, that's something that is in our recent story, but you're saying that, well, you, we should know better, but we do know better, mm. but we don't always reflect back to like, okay, yeah. what did we, how did we, how do we know better? It's because we reflect on the past to understand, mm. okay, those are the mistakes that we made or those are the wrong turns we made. So how do we stay on on course and learn from that and, and hopefully make better decisions going forward with different things? So there's uh, the, one of the podcasts I think you listened to was about the, um, the, the the soybean spill soybean mm, oil yeah. spill out at honey honeymead which is now chs um and that was the catalyst for the minnesota pollution control agency 
Mm. We didn't have that before. Mm. So they did not know that you were not supposed to dump stuff into the river and it was going to have an effect um, mm. all the way down into the Mississippi <laughs> River. And so that, that oil spill was one of the triggers for the creation of the Minnesota Pollution oh. Control Agency. Wow. Yeah, I think they, they, they probably knew a little bit because they didn't tell anyone at first. Like, I, <laughs> I, I shouldn't have laughed, but I did. They're like, oh, they didn't tell anyone for like two days. I'm like, well, I bet they didn't. That's a big mess. It's like, a big mess. It's a big mess, yeah. but I don't know. I, I don't know know if at that time they still had a really firm understanding of um, the consequences. Yeah. You know, I think, again, it's when you have hindsight, you understand the consequences. And at that time, they still didn't. They they weren't because it was winter. It was January. So they weren't thinking about what was going to happen in the spring when it all thawed. Mm. That was the that was the problem. If it would have happened in the middle of summer, they would have been able to see that action right away. But that mm. was in the middle of January. Everything was frozen, goo, mm-hmm. you know, kind mm. of slimy. And they weren't thinking about, hey, when the, the ice is out and this is flowing, where is it going to go and what kind of damage is it going to do? So mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of something <laughs> that I, I experienced growing up when the um, AMPI caught on mm. fire in New Ulm. And there was butterbergs in the river and butter in the streets and what? Yeah, they, they, they had a, that's a podcast. <laughs> that's not in Blue Earth County, though. No, it's it? not. I'm like, you could make your own podcast. <laughs> but they, uh, they, uh, yeah, no, they had a, a butter silo like catch on fire and it exploded and there was like butter. There was butter everywhere. Like there was that's a wild butter in the river. It was so much butter. <laughs> um, I don't think any. I don't think anyone like died or anything. It wasn't. I'm, I'm not sure. I shouldn't good. say that. But uh, yeah, but I, I remember it. I remember there being butter everywhere. Um, wow. But you just don't think about those things even happening or like how huge yeah. they would be just years later. Mm-hmm. What 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 are some things that you've that you would have not been exposed to had not for the production of this podcast? Like, what are your your little morsels of history that you've learned through this? You know, I think um, I've been with the organization for a number of years, and I think for me, it's being able to dig deeper. A lot of um, just over the course of the of the time that I've been with the organization, we, we've I have I have a lot of little bits of information about a lot of different things, but with this project, I've been able to really dig deep. And um, there's there's one pro, one uh, piece that I'm working on that I'm really digging really deep into, and I'm um, hoping that it turns into more of a, a series and also. Um, turns. So I don't want to give too much away. I'm just going to build the excitement Um, and some programming to go along with it. But it's um, but I I, and and we've written about it before. It's a it's about a murder trial that happened, um, of course, close to the turn of the century. And but uh, and we've we've kind of always done the um, everything is over. Now, here's that recap article that shows up in a magazine or in a, in a um, book or whatever. So mm-hmm. we'll just regurgitate this recap over and over again. And instead, what I've been doing is I've been going from day one that it hit the newspaper and I've been reading every single article. And so I'm following the whole thing as if Mm. it's a trial that we are watching on TV and you're watching new information get unfolded every day. And so I'm not I'm not jumping to the recap. And it has just been so interesting to see so many inconsistencies, Mm. um, to see the role that the media is playing 
at this point in time, the role the media is playing in this trial. Um, and, you know, I, I already know how it ends, <laughs> but I'm still like, I want to know what got us to that point where we gets to the end. So um, I'm hoping that that becomes a little bit more of a, like a um, different parts of a podcast rather than just my one and done. This mm -hmm. might be a podcast series where we unveil little bits of the the crime mm. and the trial um, and, and do a little bit longer of a series. So a mm. uh, little true crime, I guess, yeah, right? A true crime man, podcast. Mystery. Yeah. It's the hottest thing right now. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, those are the things that have been fun. Um, uh, I, I, love to do research. I love to write. And so it's given me a new outlet as a, as the director of the organization, it's given me a new outlet to, to, to be able to foster my own passions, hmm. um, that are still benefiting the organization. So that's been, I, I'd say out of it, that's been my biggest little nugget. Otherwise, um, yeah, if you want to challenge me in Blue Earth County trivia, I'm going to kick your butt. Otherwise, I don't know that I'm going to be going on Jeopardy anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. And you, you produced the show with a, a local uh, radio host, Jeff Lang, as yeah. well, right? Is, yes. he, is he on all the episodes? Yes, or? he is, except for the very first one. Okay. Um, but he is, uh, he's also known as Stunt. Um, he's better known as stunt in the community <laughs> the or, hockey games or stunt stuff. monkey. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but he is a huge history geek, hmm. um, just like me. And so when we are talking history, I just can't call him stunt. I got to call him Jeff. Yeah. Um, and we have some great conversations. We, we have, um, it might be nice sometime to just have a conversation like this with him hmm. because, um, we tend to have, uh, a lot of things we talk about after or before, like, oh my gosh, did you realize this happened? You know, because mm -hmm. we both kind of geek out on this stuff. So um, he's been a great partner in all of this. He runs all the tech for me and and um, and also contributes uh, to some of the, the content as well. And so it's been a great partnership. That's cool. It, it's a fun back and forth you, you have, I think. It, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it Thanks. Balance as well. And I think the uh, you were talking earlier I might've even been before we started like the shift from, or what, well, mm -hmm. and you've mentioned it a couple of times too, the shift from writing and publishing in that way to doing, uh, speaking and podcasting. And I'm, I'm sure that it reaches a whole new audience and it communicates it in a different way. Um, and it probably sticks with people in a different way as well, <laughs> where the reading it is one version and then hearing it, you know, in a fun, uh, it probably catches them differently. I so think that it they does. Kind of, it sticks with them longer, or um, yeah, informs more of their overall like appreciation for the history. Probably, I know that I felt like that for me. So. Awesome! I yeah. love that. That's yeah. fantastic. I think the the yeah. interesting thing for us was the pandemic was um, was a big turning point for the organization. Mm. Um, we. Um, you know, I told you, we're used to preserving paper. We're used mm -hmm. to managing paper. Um, we were used to doing things a certain way. And the pandemic made us do things differently. And so we took everything that we did in person and we had to figure out how to reach people in their homes, which mm -hmm. was the first time we'd ever had to do that. And um, so we shifted our programming to um, virtual, which was 
I, if you would have told me that we were going to be doing that, I would have mm. said there's no way. But w- we were in the moment we we had to figure something out. How were we going to keep our members and our supporters connected with us when they physically couldn't walk in the building? And um, so we shifted that. We um, we put a ton of we, we figure out how to put a ton of content together digitally. Um, we have a wonderful series on our Facebook page um, called History in a Minute, which mm. is a, like a little tiny mini um, podcast, but it's using historical images. And it tells that story in a quick little minute. You get a little mm. snippet of history. Um, so we started doing those. We started doing then and now photos. We found this slider thing, fun thing on our website um, is one of our pieces where you could take an old photo and a present day photo and you could kind of slide back and forth so you could see how the building or how that place had changed. So we just started creating all of this content um, that and then and we did some of our our programming was virtual through Zoom and we found um, so because we're the Blue Earth County Historical Society, a lot of people think, oh, we only have people who Um, are interested in us that live in Blue Earth County. But we have people all over the United States that are members because they have connections to Blue Earth County. Mm. We found that we were reaching more of our members and supporters going virtual because now Mm. it wasn't, it wasn't up to them walking in the building. We were coming to them. Mm -hmm. So the podcasts were coming to them. The um, history in a minutes were coming to them. Mm -hmm. The programs were coming to them. And so all of this just really changed the way we were doing things, even with exhibits. Um, It's a physical exhibit in our building, but we figured out a way to have a virtual option to be able to still view it. So you could be Mm -hmm. living in California and you still have access to the Blue Earth County Historical Society in a very real way. So, um, that's been a really, really interesting. And now we're, we, we are not going to give up the virtual component. Um, Mm. a lot of our programming now is hybrid. Mm. So those that are wanting to be in the building in person have that opportunity. And those that are living in Florida can just come on zoom and watch it at the same time. Sure. That's great. What what is a lot of these programs like, um, what, what, what kind of programming are you talking about? So um, we do a monthly program. um, So a couple different things. We do a monthly program that could be on any topic. Um, So last month I did a presentation about the history of the Blue Earth County Historical Society um, because it was our anniversary, 120th anniversary. So um, so that was a hybrid program. So we had a few people in the room. We had people online and then it's recorded so people could watch it after the fact as well. this week, tomorrow, we have um, Vine, who is uh, down the street from us. They have uh, a group that has published a book. They're going to come in. They're going to talk about their book they published. And it's going to, again, be available um, as a live stream. So people will be able to watch it on Zoom as it's happening, be in the room, or it'll be recorded and they can watch later. Um, We also have a a program the third Saturday of every month called Talking Ancestors. And it is just a group of people who want to come together and talk about genealogy and family history. Um, And they only now meet virtually because the people who attend are all over the United States. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so they don't necessarily have to have a direct connection to Blue Earth County, um, but they could be just working on family history. And so you can get together with a bunch of other family historians and say, I'm stuck. I can't figure out how to find this ship record or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You've got that that audience or that group of people that are doing that same kind of research. And um, that will never become come back as a in-person opportunity that will Mm. remain a virtual opportunity um, so that more people have access to it. Mm. It's cool that some of those things maybe have uh, found a a better way of being better able to serve the the people that they're aiming to. So that's neat. It's been, it's been really um, interesting. Mm. I mean, I, to me, I think it's been a really interesting shift. I, I honestly, I've been with the organization for 20 years and, you know, 20 years ago, if you would have said, oh, guess what's going to happen? You're going to mm. do all this stuff virtually and create all this digital content. I would say, no, mm. even if you would have told me in 2019 going into these podcasts um, that we were going to that this was going to be a big shift for us. I never would have believed it. Um, mm. But it has it's been exciting. It's been rewarding. It's been challenging, um, but it's so worth it so worth it to get more local history content Mm -hmm. out there, get people starting to see what's all around them. Um, Mm -hmm. and to, um, yeah, just realize that the the fabric of our community is built on the past, the past people, the events, Mm -hmm. the, um, the places, the things that have happened here. That's how our community was built to be what it is today. Mm. And we're all leaving our mark today for future generations to be able to look back as well. So, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a geek. Mm. I'm a history geek. Yeah. But. <laughs> well, hey, that's cool. We, <laughs> one of the, that's been one of the really neat parts about even this show is um, talking to some of the older folks. I shouldn't say older folks. Some of the people <laughs> who've been they're doing music. They're not old. They're yeah, like, they're they've like, been you know, doing music for like, like 20 or 30 years. Gen Xers who are like you're talking about. Oh, Gen Xers are now officially old people. Okay, I am officially um, an old person. I am a Gen Xer. Old. It was relative. It was intended to be relative. I'm giving you guys been a hard here longer time. Than me. Um. I, I gave it to you guys when I'm like, you don't know what this is. So it's all, it's all fair. All I think fair. I've seen them in movies. What's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where they made the computer play chess? <laughs> All fair. Um, and and hearing about uh, what different scenes, music scenes have mm-hmm. have looked like in the past, different bands that kind of came through, um, groups that maybe you'd heard of, but not in the context that they were explained to you. So we've had some situations like that where we'll learn a lot about mm-hmm. what music might have been around. Um, or even just like the richness yeah. of the present. Like sometimes mm-hmm. a lot of people are, are kind of like quick to write off Mankato as like, oh, there's not much going on here. But like if you just, if you pay attention for like four seconds, you just realize that's a lazy opinion. Because mm-hmm. like, you know, I thought like producing this is going to be a nightmare when I started it and that I just can't run out of people to talk to. Like there, awesome. there's so much going on. It's just absurd. So there is, there yeah. is. And there always has been. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's my job is to get people to see that it's always been. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been a, an incredible place to live and to, um, to just experience life. And so we've got the people who are making news today and, but there are so many generations that came before us that 
you know, we're being innovative and creative and we're putting this place on, on the map. And that's, that's our role is to make sure that we're remembering those people that came before us. And so, Mm. um, exciting stuff. And yes, as a Gen Xer, I will tell you, it's pretty awesome to know that Green Day played in Mankato. Just saying, (laughs) just saying. That's cool. Where did they, where did they play? Did they play at the ballroom? Or did no. they play a What's Up Lounge? No. Or, I thought it was in St. Peter that they played, actually. No. Okay, all right. All right. I feel, like I, just, I feel like I'm just going to keep <laughs> this little nugget Zach all knows. to myself. I'm keeping it all to myself. I'm just going to do that. But, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool. Well, and uh, Buddy Holly played here. That uh-huh. he, We're... We're, we're working with the theater production probably. Oh, good. So, um, good. yeah, that was, that was kind of neat. I've been learning a bit about that and with uh, the Buddy Holly performance here and then mm-hmm. went to Clear Lake mm-hmm. next. And then my partner's from Clear Lake. So I heard all about the other side oh, of that yeah. story as well. Um, that is being yeah. surrounded by history. Mm-hmm. She also works at Miniopa, which was a cool episode that you did too. So awesome. that was fun. I spent awesome. a lot of time walking around over there. Good, yeah. good. I love it. I love it. I, you know, yeah. I, I create those. Um, and, you know, I think, I don't know, maybe you guys don't do this, but I always like, oh, nobody's listening. So it's fine. I can just talk. Mm-hmm. And and um, so, <laughs> but you guys have followers. But it, it just, it's pretty cool to know that people have listened yeah. and they appreciate them and they like them. So that. It's exciting. I'm sure you guys feel the same way. You're yeah, like, yeah, no, I, I'm I, put I love more when out people there. talk to me about the podcast. It's it's a great feeling yeah. to like yeah. know that people care. Yeah. Um, it's an, it's interesting that you came to or well, I don't know. You you've been involved with this historical society for long enough that I think um, it's expected that you would enjoy history. But it's cool that you <laughs> appreciate it like that. Um, it's been really neat. Uh, it's been neat for us to like uncover some of those things as well, because our ambition behind starting this podcast was to show people that stuff is happening now. And so kind of, it's kind of like a fun, uh, connection to, yeah. Cause like I couldn't begin to talk about the history, but, um, I'm excited to, if I come across anything, see if the, uh, historical, historical societies put out something about it so I can, help my context a little bit. Yeah. And that's the big thing. I am a junkie when it comes to historical context. Mm. So if something is happening, I want to understand why, why Mm. is that happening or how, you know, so even if you just go and you read about the Spanish influenza, you're just like, really, but that's just not enough. You know, I gotta, Mm. I need to understand why, why was it called the Spanish influenza? Why, um, you know, what were, what was the first case? How did it spread? I want, I want that context to understand what it, I think it's because I really enjoy social history. And so I want to understand what it would be like to live during that time. Um, what, what are you seeing as propaganda? What are you seeing in the newspaper? What are you, what are you, the misinformation, the actual information? I, I, I think mm. that for me, that's the big piece of it. It's probably why I dig really deep when I'm working on the podcast is because I don't want to just know the surface. I want to understand the context of why was mm. this happening? Um, why was this moment in time? It's, it's really interesting when I find people who kind of weave their way through a a lot of my stories Mm. because I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's there too. You know, it's just Mm. like, wow, this, this person, how could he 
be so involved in all of these different things. And it's helping to kind of gradually get to know who this person is. And you get to, and, and you're just like us, you know, we're leaving this mark. And let's say 50 years from now, 100 years from now, they're going to look back and say, who are these three guys? I'm going to put a shout out to our guy behind. Three guys that put this podcast together. Who were mm. they? What was their story? Why did they do this? What yeah. What did they bring to the table for these conversations? Um, and so, you know, that's, that's the fun part about it is that historical context. So, mm. yeah, you guys are making history yeah. right now. Yeah. All right. Making it, surrounded by it, all of it. Note well, to my uh, future self to, um, I don't know, work out more or something. <laughs> uh, I have one question, actually. Um, and it's, have you uncovered any historical um, bias? I don't know if that's the right way to ask it. Historical biases that you find to be like reoccurring in the materials that you've collected where you know that like a certain paper is talks a certain way mm -hmm. or like that history was recorded in a certain way where it may be either more or less unreliable. And it just oh, any yeah. biases that you've oh, kind yeah. of found interesting. Oh, well, I think that's, that's history. Um, okay, just, you know, I, so to me, it's a really broad, um, I know you're, you're, you're trying to nail down a, a really specific question, but it is a broad, mm -hmm. a broad answer that I have to give you because yes, um, the, the, the newspapers in New Ulm during world war one are going to have a very different version of what is happening overseas because it is a German community. Mm. Then Mankato is going to have reporting on the same incidences that were happening during the war. Sure. So, I mean, there is an example. Um, so whoever your editor was um, for those newspapers, um, a lot of those early newspapers, they would take a political side. Um, and so you have to, in history, you have to read multiple sources so that you get a very well-rounded picture. If you only read one mm -hmm. source, you're only going to get one person's lens. And, um, and I, maybe that's the way to think about it. It's not necessarily like a, a community bias. It's that writer's bias. It's that writer's lens. Mm. So whatever lens you brought to the table today is how you're going to see things. And your lens is different. Mm -hmm. My lens is different because I'm old. And um, so how do we, how do we, how do we take our three lenses and come up with a, a, a general story of what happened during the um, 2020 pandemic? Because mm -hmm. we had different experiences, mm -hmm. but how could we come together and tell that story? So if it, you only left it up to me to tell that story, then your version of the story isn't going to be heard. So sure. I think that's what you have to think about. I don't think that, that people... Um, a hundred years ago, we're intentionally saying, I want to make sure that I am only telling this story so that no ethnic group could have their story told. Mm. It, that's not their mission. Their mission was to tell their lens. Mm -hmm. um, and so the thing with history is history repeats itself. Um, which we see with the Spanish influenza, we see mm. with COVID, we see with um, the wave of immigration that happened at the turn of the century, 1900, um, mm. with Ellis Island and all of the new ethnic groups that were coming. We see that with the new ethnic groups and refugees that are coming today. 
Mm-hmm. These they are they're not the same, but they have parallels. And this is that point that if we can't look back to the past and understand how is it how is a society did what did we do well and what did we not do so well? Um, I will guarantee you that in 1900 they did a lot mm-hmm. of things not too well when it came mm-hmm. to immigrants. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> yeah. um, and so what are we doing today? We're doing the same thing. Right. Mm. Because we didn't necessarily learn or we have we have the the lens of saying, well, it is different this time. It's Mm. different. Well, there's nothing different. It's Mm. really the same story. It's just set in a in a different lens. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think. um, And I I also think that that is a society we tend. um, I've always looked at it as a pendulum that I think the pendulum swings where we we feel like. We have to have this lens has to be the focus lens. Mm. And so we have to tell everything about the, I'm going to say the Irish famine. We have to tell, because I'm going to try to be as neutral as I can. The Irish famine, we've got to tell it from the Irish perspective. Mm-hmm. And then we, no, 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 we've got to swing it this way. Now we have to tell it from the potatoes perspective. Mm-hmm. And why did this happen? Why did there, was there a blight? And now they all died. And so we just, we keep taking these random, these really extreme swings mm-hmm. and we can't, we don't, we, it's like we want to take one lens over the other instead of saying, let's put it all together and, and kind of make like a kaleidoscope so that we Mm. understand how the whole thing happened, the historical context of how it all happened, instead of just saying, nah, I just want that lens. Mm -hmm. Well, now, what I I feel like is kind of like the the thing that would make it different is the the access to information that we have. That is is like the big, truly radical shift that we've had, is like now anyone who has like basic literary skills does have access to nearly infinite information that they didn't have before. Mm. So we can take those lenses and see like, you know, like where have things been underrepresented or like what has happened? And I, I think like as we go forward, like we are going to see those things, you know, fill in and we'll have a more complete image of like what history is. And that might have been some of the things that I was trying to like get at in the beginning mm-hmm. when I was saying like, what do you do with all this new digital information? Because now we do truly have like all, like all percept, all, all, um, all of these lenses are being represented in some way. Yeah. And it's like, how will we organize them and make sure right. that, you know, we actually know things. Yeah. Um, so. It's, it's going to be, it's very interesting. Cause I mean, it, you didn't have to be, I mean, you don't have to, uh, to, you know, have a PhD to be able to be the authority in something today. You didn't have to have a PhD to be an authority in something a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that the, it, it, I, I caution um, where, you know, that, oh, we've got all this information in front of us. But I think we still, I'm still going to go back to the basics of doing research. You have to look at multiple sources. Because if you say that um, John Smith, who is the millennial version of everything and everything that comes out of his mouth is the only thing I want to listen to, you you aren't getting all of the information. Again, mm-hmm. it comes back to context, um, and so uh, the other the other piece that I struggle with is when something that happened 150 years ago is put in context of 2021. Um, instead of putting it in context of what was life like in 1850, mm-hmm. so that you it, it doesn't make it right or wrong but it puts it in context so you have a better understanding of why were those decisions made. 
Um, I'm not, I don't want to go down, <laughs> I don't want to go down a path. I am only coming from a historical perspective mm-hmm. um, that if we, um, we, I, Spanish influenza is super easy one to kind of keep picking on. Um, why do you remember in the podcast, why did it get named Spanish influenza? I, I don't. So it was a, it was a um, publicity point mm-hmm. because um, in Spain, the um, Spain during World War I was a neutral country. So the leader of Spain, um, the king of Spain, actually got sick, got influenza. If um, if the uh, U.S. president or um, an or one of the uh, German um, hierarchy would have gotten influenza, they would not want to report it because they would not want the other side to know that they were weak because mm-hmm. they had gotten sick. So mm-hmm. Spain was neutral. So it was very easy for the, for as a world for us to say this was called the Spanish influenza, even mm. though it didn't originate from Spain, because now they were basically saying, hey, this is worldwide. But we're not going to say that the United States has it. We're not going to say that Germany has it because we don't want the allies or the Axis powers to know that one might be weaker than the other. Mm. So they picked a neutral country. To, to then coin the phrase Spanish influenza. It has nothing to do with Spain, except for the king of Spain got it. Interesting. But that's context. Yeah. Right? Right or wrong? We can't go back to 1918 and say, why'd you blame the whole thing on Spain when they had nothing to do with it? Mm-hmm. But it was a propaganda piece for, uh, during the war effort. So now that you know the context, it makes you understand that mm-hmm. a little bit differently. Well, it's the, it's the pop version that survived too so it does tell you a lot about like how people felt in that time as well or like that that no one was like ready to question it everyone thought that that was the way that they should go about referring to it mm-hmm. or that's what stuck around so yeah that's interesting and i suppose then it's less about uncovering specific bias and more about seeing if you can get all the biases to cancel towards zero and you get right. some like good good history right right <laughs> and you have to come to your own conclusions because mm. we're all bringing our own lens our own bias to the table and so um that that's our challenge you know we're all going to bring our own bias to the table when mm. we're doing this research or we're having these conversations um and so mm. everything we do and uh, since the beginning of man everything we do is based off of our lens or what we carry forward and how we interpret that and how is that interpreted by the next person by the next person by the next person and so i think it's it's just really um it's a really heady conversation we're having <laughs> but it is it makes your brain just kind of go well how do i know that information and and yeah. what is what are the biases that i bring to the table when having a conversation about that mm. um do i know the whole picture or do i only know the cbs news version of that picture you know and so there's mm. just um i think there's it's good and bad we have a lot of information at our fingertips mm. um it's just who are we yeah i, I don't i don't want to say it's like who are we listening to but just think about it. What is the lens that you, you bring and how do you, how do, can we as a, as a society have a kaleidoscope of all mm. of these different lenses to, to hopefully have a clear picture? Um, but I don't know that we ever will because what is the clear picture, you well, know, who, who knows how technology will go, but I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we have, we have like lots of things going on right now. And I think they will, I think, I think history will be more honest as we go forward because we just have, 
more of it to dig into. And, you know, it probably will change how we just generally live. Like, you know, 10 years ago, if you would have been like, hey, like you're going to open your phone with your fingerprint. I've been like, yeah, right. You think I'm going to give Google my fingerprint? Absolutely not. Uh, like, now blindly Google, yeah. Google, here you go. No, I, I don't like, I don't, I don't believe that I have any privacy anymore. Like if someone, if someone wants, if someone wants it, they can basically have it. And like it, like, I, I don't think there's any amount of money I could do to change it. I just, I would take comfort in the fact that I'm not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you know, as you're talking, then I'm thinking about the the communist movement back in the 40s and 50s when it was, you know, really, if you, uh, if you sneezed the wrong way, you were considered a communist. And Ooh. that was a big thing then. It was called the Red Scare. And so that mm. was a big social, like, wow, you can't like them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it, it just, that, that's where my brain when you were talking about, I mean, that's the reality of today, but it was the reality of then as well. The reality of a a new immigrant um, coming to Ellis Island who can't speak any English. They're immediately, you know, getting marked and um, put aside. They do not have privacy. So we think that because we're in a digital world that we don't have privacy today, but think about the scrutiny that over, I mean, centuries. But you had deniability back then. Like right now, like Google could tell me where my eyes linger. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. is, there yeah. is, it's there is no, there is <laughs> like, that's, that is gone to some, and like, like some of those words, they don't, they don't mean the same thing anymore. Nope. Um, you know, like it, it, I mean, people say, people say communism now and they just mean things that they don't like often. Like, exactly. it's just, it's just really silly. Um, <laughs> like, and I, that's one of my favorite things about the English language in general is like, you know, what, what might be, what might be what a word meant when it entered the public discourse is like, it doesn't mean that anymore because it changes, you know, based on how we use it. Cause the language is context based entirely. Exactly. Um, you get it. so yeah, I, I, I really like following words around and I, that's, I, I don't know if it's a problem or an interest, but like when I, when I, when I start saying something and I'm like, wait, do you know what you're talking about? Then yeah. I'm just, mm. I know. I know it's context. It's context. Oh. It's all about context. Where does a word come from? Where did a phrase come from? When we say, you know, we say a phrase, why do we say that phrase? Why, where did this come from? Yes. It's all about context. I mean, and as a Gen Xer, I, you know, am very familiar with the urban dictionary because half the things that are said to me, I have no idea what they mean because uh, I'm not caught up. So, yeah, you know, you have to, but the, but even I think back to the, I did not live in the fifties just to make this clear, <laughs> but in the, you know, in the, in the twenties, in the fifties, they had a lot of slang, um, mm-hmm. for different things. And so to look up those words and realize that was just part of their everyday vernacular and how they, how they were using language in different ways. And, you know, yeah, you got, you guys, you know, obviously I can talk about history and do this, the context of history, um, from words to places to people. I just I love all of it. So that's my that's my passion. Sure. Well, let's get let's get folks pointed towards your podcast and like so that they can they can listen to you talk about history. And (laughs) I I think I think uh, I think we've done the thing today. Um, Let's uh, how, how do people get to the Blue Earth County Historical Society? How do they find your podcast? How do they find all of the pertinent things that we've talked about today. Awesome. So um, uh, definitely go check out our website. It's blueearthcountyhistory.com. 
Um, on our website, just do a backslash for podcasts and you'll get the list of all of the podcasts that have been recorded. Um, I think that we might be close to at least 60 of them that we've done. Um, so you can check those out. You can listen to KTOE radio every Saturday morning at 11.05 and um, you can hear them being aired that way as well. Come and visit us down at uh, the History Center, which is at 424 Warren Street right here in Mankato literally like a stone's throw from where you guys are broadcasting today um so yeah come check us out follow us on social media to check out all that great content lots of great stuff on our website history center is open year-round so lots of opportunities to come and dig and learn a little bit more about the history that surrounds us cool that's awesome thank you thank you for doing that too it's that's it's i i'm I'm not going to pioneer that ship or whatever, but it's cool <laughs> that that ship is sailing smoothly. This ship has been sailing for yeah. 120 years. It's just my job as the captain cool. right now to keep it going. That's that's awesome. You seem like <laughs> a good fit for the role. Thank so you. keep it up. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Us. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. You can find show notes for this and every episode at triplefalls.org. Thank you.